Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. called by and through the will of God long before he did anything. His, his calling came to him long before his name was changed to Paul from Saul of Tarsus. God had already called him. I believe long before he had even become a Pharisee of the Pharisees, God's call was already on him. I believe that uh, uh, long before he even excelled above his peers in, in the study of Hebrew scripture. This was a calling of God on his life, and I believe that was even before conception that God had a plan and a purpose for Paul. Saul of Tarsus was destined to become the Apostle Paul by the calling of Jesus Christ. In fact, as Pastor David points out, God called him long before his name was changed from Saul to Paul. In today's message, we'll hear about the importance of every life as made evident through the Word of God. Long before we do anything as a follower of Christ, God has called us to live up to our created destiny to fulfill the plans and purposes of God. It's too wonderful for us to comprehend the amazing plans of God. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, You Are a Work of God. Have you ever heard that phrase, uh, somebody speaking to someone else, you are a real piece of work? And you realize it's not necessarily a positive thing, right? Yeah. It's kind of like if you're in the South and you make a comment or you have some kind of uh, interaction with someone and somebody in the deep South looks at you and says, well, bless your heart. I can attest to you, that's not positive, okay? (laughs) Well, we're going to be looking at uh, 1 Corinthians. Paul is telling the church in Corinth that you guys are a real piece of work. But I believe that he's meaning it in a positive way, that you are a real piece of the work of God. In the midst of all your cracks, chips, scars, warts, uh, all these things, still in the midst of that, God is working and moving in your life. And I tell you what, that's the word I think that all of us need to hear. Amen? Okay, I just want to make sure I'm not in the boat by myself. Okay. (laughs) Corinth was an absolutely amazing city. For its time, it was absolutely spectacular. It was kind of like Corinth was the deal that, man, uh, how are you going to keep them down on the farm after they've seen Corinth? Uh, Because it was just that way. Someone coming from a very rural uh, setting to go to the city of Corinth, it would just blow them away because of just all the beauty, all the action, all the activity, and uh, even some of it was good. But uh, for the most part, as beautiful a city as it was, it was also a very gross city at the very same time. 
It was filled with all this, uh, the arts and music and, and temples and, and wealth and luxury. And yet at the same time, it was filled with vulgarity, uh, sexual immorality, all kinds of vices of, of every sort imaginable, and probably some that you don't even want to imagine, okay? Uh, that's the way Corinth was. And we read in Acts chapter 18 that as Paul came in and began that ministry there, he was was really carrying light into the midst of absolute darkness, absolute darkness. You know how it is like in the middle of the night, if you got to get up, you don't want to turn a light on for the most part, because man, it's just like so overwhelming, turning a light on in absolute darkness. And when Paul goes into a place like Corinth, and he begins um, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, when he begins sharing the reality and the truth of God and his word, he begins shining a pretty bright light within that community. And for the most part, um, people weren't flocking to him at first. As a matter of fact, as he went to the Jews first, he began again discussing the things of God's word with them uh, there in the synagogues, and soon they rejected him. You remember after they rejected him, then that's when he began ministering to the Gentiles. And he, he stayed in Corinth even with that rejection. He stayed there for about two years or so. One of the things we do know is that this rejection of the Jews pretty quickly transformed into persecution, and the Jews rose up, and they tried to bring accusations against Paul. They brought him before the Roman proconsul Galileo, and as they were giving their complaints of what Paul was doing, Galileo, he says, hey, look, this, this is a Jewish religious matter. It has absolutely nothing to do with anything that I'm concerned with. It has nothing to do with the religion of uh, uh, Venus or any of the other Roman gods that he worshipped. And so he refused to hear any of their charges. And it was at that point in time that the, the Greeks then, the, the Gentiles, actually rose up against the Jews as they came in to the judgment seat of uh, Galileo and brings this accusation. And Galileo says, hey, I don't have time for you guys, and turns and walks away. Then the Jews rose up, and it says that they grabbed the synagogue leader, the guy that was probably bringing the charge against Paul, and, and they began to beat on him. And Galileo said, he didn't care. He just did not care, did not impact him at all. Paul remained, again, in Corinth for a good while after that until finally he left and went on uh, actually back over to, to Syria. Well, after he left, it had been about two years after he left, he was in the midst of his third missionary journey, and two years from being there in that city, two years from discipling and, and training and teaching the whole counsel of God's Word, while he's on his third missionary journey, he begins hearing word about Corinth. And the unfortunate thing, most of the word that he is hearing isn't very good. It would be like uh, you know somebody that uh, had been here at Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande for years and loved the church, and they left, and all of a sudden they started getting bad news about, well, did you hear about this? Did you hear about that? And suddenly, man, it's, it's got to be a heartbreak when a church that he had poured so much into, suddenly, uh, man, it was slipping really quick, only two years after he had been there. He received word from uh, others. Uh, we see, first of all, that perhaps a, a word of mouth or a letter from the household of Cleo uh, or Chloe's uh, uh, house. That's in chapter 1, verse 11. Uh, there's also an awareness of some issues uh, 
that were taking place within the church, some things that Paul says they're actually reported among you. That's in chapter 5, verse 1. And then in chapter 7, verse 1, Paul references a letter that the church itself had sent to Paul with some questions. The questions probably, you know, again, those questions about certain issues pertaining to the Christian faith, uh, how to live our lives, how the church ought to respond, how the church ought to act. And so we find this letter of 1 Corinthians it covers a really wide variety of issues uh, pertaining to Christian doctrine and practice, uh, how you and I ought to be living our lives as believers, definitely to the Corinthian church, but it's just as real and just as true for us today. There's really not a whole lot in this teaching uh, for Corinth that does not affect us uh, in our own lives today. Um, In chapter 1, let's begin at the beginning then chapter 1 in in verse 1, actually verses 1 to 3. Paul begins his letter in in a very similar way that he begins a lot of his letters. Listen to what he says here. He says, Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who are in every place, call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, as I said, this is a, a very similar introduction. Paul, Paul uses this kind of introduction in almost all of his letters, and not to make too much about it, but just take a look at these with me. We're going to do a little bit of a a Bible drill here. You remember Bible drills. They yell out a verse, and you find it. Well, you don't need to stand up if you find it. Just just look there. Uh, Turn to your left. Go to Romans chapter 1, and there at the very beginning of Romans chapter 1, Paul gives a similar introduction, but it's a lot longer than here in Corinth. In Romans chapter 1, verse 1, I'll just read through this, not a whole lot. I'm going to comment on it, but just kind of give you an idea. Uh, He says, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Here he doesn't say he's an apostle. Here he says he's a bondservant. Called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness to the resurrection from the dead. Through him, we've received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. So right here in his introduction, he's preaching. I mean, he's 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 given a great lesson right here in the very introduction. He goes on to say, again, among whom also you're the called of Jesus Christ to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, the greeting that he gives in 2 Corinthians, go back to your right, just past 1 Corinthians, uh, believe it or not, comes 2 Corinthians. Uh, 2 Corinthians, it's a lot shorter than the one to Romans and uh, uh, pretty short to the point. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. He says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in all of Achaia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he goes into the message. In, in Galatians, keep on going to your right, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. Again, here he writes, Paul, an, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and 
God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. In Ephesians, very similar. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So you get the idea. Some of you might remember the days way, way back when, when people actually hand-wrote letters to each other. Do you remember? Some of you, you, you remember those days. Maybe your grandparents would remember. Remember how we started those things. It wasn't, hi, this is David writing to you. No, we would say, dear George, and go on into our deal. We'd give maybe some kind of beginning salutation, hope things are doing well, hope you and the family are fine, and then we'd end it up with our name. And Okay, it was pretty easy to flip to the last page and see who wrote the letter, but we didn't start that way. You, you would think, well, if we got the letter, of course it's addressed to me, so it's got to be to me. So, but the way that it's written here with the introduction of who is writing the letter is what we see. And it, and it seemed to be a pretty standard way. Not only do we find that in the Bible and in the letters to the churches in the Bible, but throughout that Greek and Roman culture, that was pretty much the way that they did it. Uh, pretty much a, for Paul, as he writes here in all of his letters, we see this quick declaration of who is writing the letter and introduction of anybody who might be with him. Sometimes it's one or two people, sometimes, and all those who are with me. Uh, there's a, usually a, a clarification of the initial or the attended audience uh, to the church of Rome or to the saints in Corinth or whatever it might be. Then there's usually a little bit of a blessing that's given to him, like grace and peace uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ be upon you, that kind of a thing. And again, very similar introductions that we find for James and, and Peter and John and even in Jude. We come to that understanding that this greeting is, is pretty common. But let's look at this opening statement of Paul here in 1 Corinthians. So hopefully you get back to 1 Corinthians. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. Now, when you look at the text of your Bible, in that phrase, called to be an apostle, there's a couple of words there that are, in most of your versions, are in italics. Correct? Okay. The word to be, called to be. What is to be? That's a future tense, isn't it, for all you English majors? Okay. You guys help me out here because I aren't one. Okay, Uh, to be, a future tense. Well, did you know that that to be really wasn't in the original writing? In the original writing, it should have simply be Paul called an apostle of Jesus Christ. I think it comes from that understanding that the calling of God is on our life long before we are even formed and fashioned in our mother's womb. It's the plan and purposes of God, and he works those things, and he has that plan for us. He was called by and through the will of God long before he did anything. His, his calling came to him long before his name was changed to Paul from Saul of Tarsus. God had already called him. I believe long before he had even become a Pharisee of the Pharisees, God's call was already on him. I believe that uh, uh, long before he even excelled above his peers in, in the study of Hebrew Scripture, 
This was a calling of God on his life, and I believe that was even before conception, that God had a plan and a purpose for Paul. Now, this is a bit of a side note, but I think it's worth noting. Abortion right now prevents the birth of almost a million babies a year. That's in this country. Now, worldwide, uh, it's tremendously huge. If we truly understand, we truly believe the Word of God, that we are formed and fashioned even before we're conceived. We're formed and fashioned in the mind of God even before we're conceived. And beloved, you and I, as Bible-believing Christians, we should know that abortion is against the will of God. And we could use all kinds of excuses, well, rape and incest and all kinds of things, but I can also give you story after story after story of men and women who were the results of a rape or an incest and how God worked and moved in their lives. Supernatural ways, miraculous ways. No, I, I believe that the gifts and calling, uh, Jeremiah said, man, you know, long before I knew, the, the psalmist declares, long before I was born. Again, God knew me. So I, I believe it's very important for us as believers to understand. No, abortion comes in and it breaks into the very purpose of God in human lives. Well, let's get back to this. Paul was a man. He was called by God. He was called as an apostle. And the straightforward definition of that Greek word apostolos is as a delegate or as one that's sent forth. And then we have to understand contextually that the position of Paul as well as the other men who held that primary office of apostle is that they were men who had been sent out specifically by the Lord as an official commissioner, a delegate. Uh, We send them to foreign countries, people. Ambassador, Ambassador. thank you very much. Thank you. I I, I knew what it was. I was just testing you. They're sent out, and they're, they're sent out, these particular apostles, they're sent out with spiritual authority. They're sent out with, again, the gifting of God, and as we've seen the work of the apostles, we've seen them with miraculous gifts to help establish the church, to help establish the gospel message, and for the equipping of the saints. So this ministry, this call on his life, is much more than just somebody that's going to go into the next town and try and start a Bible study or try and raise up a church. No, there, there, there's, a, there's a lot of authority that's put in this position. Now, there are other, you realize that there are other apostles within the New Testament. There are others who are called apostles, but with the understanding in the context of it that they do not have the same spiritual authority, they don't have the work and and the status of the twelve, again, the ones that Christ appointed specifically. These are men who have been sent out but they are not the ones with the same kind of authority. We could get into a long study on that very thing, and we might do that later when we start looking at the gifts as we get further into Corinthians. But again, we understand that for Paul, this supernatural work, the spiritual authority, the giftings that he had, we see some supernatural things going on with Paul in the book of Acts. Remember, man, uh, his, his, literally his sweatbands were taken and, and, 
his cloths were sent to and, and given to people who were ill and, and had diseases, and they were healed from that. We read that in the book of Acts. And so um, the unfortunate thing today, I think some try to copy that. And, you know, I, there's so much silliness that goes on sometimes today in the name of the Lord. But let me, before I start preaching, let me go on with the teaching. Uh, so as Paul declares himself as an apostle, He's declaring that he has this position of authority from God, from Christ himself, over the church. Not only because he was the one who established that church in Corinth, but because he also had this continued authority over the church as an apostle through the will of God. So in this first verse, he also brings to our attention that along with me is Sosthenes, our, our, our brother, And since there's no other introduction of this particular brother, Sosthenes, uh, it's a very good possibility to assume that the church in Corinth knew who this Sosthenes was. He doesn't say Sosthenes, our brother from whatever. He just says, he just gives the name. Now, if that's true, it's a very strong possibility. We don't know for certain but it's a very strong possibility that this Sosthenes is the very same Sosthenes that we read about in Acts 18, who was the head of the synagogue who probably brought charges against Paul to the proconsul Galileo there in Corinth. Because remember when Galileo turned around, it said that then the Greeks grabbed Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and began to beat him up. Now, you got to see, again, just the hand of God in this thing. The guy that was the enemy of Paul, possibly, very strongly, who had brought charges along with the whole synagogue of Paul, and now he's with Paul, and Paul very clearly says, our brother, our brother. When did Sosthenes come to Christ? Maybe after he got beat up, you know? <laughs> Maybe his life flashed before his eyes and he realized, whoa, I, I've got to get this right. We don't, we don't know. He was a ruler. If, if he was the one who was the ruler of the synagogue, if this is the same one, how cool is that? I mean, really and truly, to be someone that was so adamantly against Paul. But then you've got to stop and think, but isn't that the story of Paul's life? He was the one, he's the very one, who would go and bring persecution against Christians. And now he's coming and he's bringing people to Christ. And so now he hears that Sosthenes has come to Christ. I bet maybe Paul went and said, hey, go get Sosthenes, bring him with me, man. I'd love to hang out with the guy now. What would you have thought about a guy like Sosthenes? How in the world could he come to Christ? I'm sure a lot of people who knew Paul thought the same thing. Whoa, the Apostle Paul, as a matter of fact, we read in the conversion of Paul. Again, uh, he said, no, no, no. But Lord, I'm, I'm not going to go to Paul. You, haven't you heard, Lord, who Paul is? That's always a kind of a silly question we can ask the Lord. <laughs> haven't you heard? Don't you see? But how many people in our lives do we know through the course of our lives? And we've looked at, and we ourselves pretty well have given up on Uh, I don't see how that person will ever come to the Lord. Maybe if we really dig down deep in it, maybe it was somebody who came against you in your stand for Christ.
are so glad you joined us today on The Open Word for Pastor David Landry's verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. You can find more messages from Pastor David and information about The Open Word by visiting our website, theopenword.com. If you're looking for a home church and are in the Casa Grande area, why not join us for a time of worship and Bible study? Calvary Chapel Casa Grande has services each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. on Wednesdays and Saturdays. You can find location information and directions by going to theopenword.com and following the links to the church homepage. Now here's Pastor David with some information on how you can help support the ministry of The Open Word. Hey, I love being able to share the Word of God with you through this radio ministry. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. But as with any ministry, there are expenses. I know God is blessing His children through The Open Word, and God has given us a vision to see this ministry expand and reach even further. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to theopenword.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all the time we have for today. But join us again as we continue digging deeper into the book of 1 Corinthians, right here on The Open Word.